Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, the voice of magic fans in the virtual studio. Today we have Justin, yo, Al, yo, myself, Anthony, we got a special guest today. NBA player development for the Orlando Magic and head of performance with Lakeland, Hasib Fasihi, also known as Coach Hex. What's going on, man? I'm, I'm great. How are you guys doing? Happy holidays to you and everyone out there. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm still working on my uh, my leftovers. Still got like <laughs> two more days left. Yeah, man. All them leftovers be knocking me out, bro. It's that melatonin and that, and that turkey that be killing all yeah, of Yeah, the things. turkey. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hey, um, Coach, we're, we're going to just jump right into it. For those out there that don't know exactly the responsibilities of a NBA player development or a head of performance, well, what exactly, in your words, does, does that all mean? What are your responsibilities? Um, one of my, my first priority responsibilities is, is being a strength and conditioning performance staff member for the organization. And one of my main duties is prioritizing everything that's necessary in the G League. Uh, whether it's with the two ways or anybody that's on the exhibit tens, you know, I work with Orlando and the, and their team uh, during home games and during training camp. So I have, uh, luckily I have insight on both sides uh, of the game, whether it's, you know, the NBA or the G league. Um, one of my biggest, you know, things is now to be involved with a lot more player development because a lot of the staff members, uh, you know, especially my GM, uh, they know that I also do player development in the off season um, on an independent level. Um, luckily, I have a lot of elite, you know, NBA clientele in the off season, so they know that I bring value in that. And as my first year in the league was in 2017, I was just a strength coach, and then ever since then, they gave me more leeway to do what I wanted to do to help, you know, the organization in Lakeland succeed as well. So um, a lot of that is all tailored in me being involved in the training camp um there's a lot of uh uncertainty with the G League right now so for the most part what we're doing is just staying in touch and up to date with uh with what's going on with the league so i'm still head of player development for the g league head of performance g league but i have a lot more insight on strength and conditioning with orlando because you know my staff uh we always stay in touch with zoom calls and staying up to date with you know, new knowledge about rehab and things like that. So that's what my focus is. Okay. Um, so so you work basically strength and conditioning, making sure guys are right. Uh, but I wanted to kind of back up a little bit and talk about your history. Um, so I know you were born in Pakistan. Is that is that true? Yeah, born there. Then I moved to Miami when I was like 60 days old. It was crazy. Like I was just a baby and I moved out here. Um, raised down in Miami my whole life. Went to school to UCF, actually. I have a crazy story how I even got to the league and then involved UCF. Um, but after UCF, worked at IMG for five years. And uh, I actually did player development at IMG for five years. And then from there, you know, through the grace of God, I stayed in touch with the right people and it got me into the league. So coming in, you know, you said you moved to Miami at 60 days old, which I think is insane. Um, yeah. Culturally, how did you develop your love for basketball, and how did that transition to actually 
um, you know, making it a passion and a career? Man, I'll be honest with you. Like, where I lived at in my neighborhood, there was uh, a lot of – there was one basketball court there, and um, me and my dad would always walk to the mailbox, and every time we walked there, I would go hoop for a little bit and then come back home. So I kind of had a passion for it, you know, by default. It was never about, like, my friends. It was just something that was always there. Um, but then all of a sudden, as I got older, I realized, like, the people around me in my neighborhood – thought that it was cool to play the sport so I just grew the passion for it you know I, I thrive in competition I'm a very competitive guy in anything so um, I think the level of competition and the fun that was involved with the game is what inspired me mm. um, and then also just being around the right group of people that led me into this direction where I'm at now so it's more about you know you know my, my parents influence and then leading up with my peers that's kind of where where my love came in that's awesome. Now, living in Miami, does that mean you grew up a Heat fan or? Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I grew up, I mean, I, I had to be, you know, it's a religion down here. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, it's, 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 it's strange to say that because I hate to say it, but I have to because I'm an Orlando Magic fan now because I'm more tied with. It's like you know how it feels to be in the NBA now. So you got to root for the team that you work for. You know, the Heat mm -hmm. are not paying me a pay. They're not giving me a pay. <laughs> you know, so I have to look at it that way. Um, but at the end of the day, man, like, yeah, I'm just a, f a fan of Florida, if you, if you think about it that way, you know. I think, it, I think it's got to be in your contract somewhere where you can't – like, you have to hide all that Heat passion. You can't win none of their <laughs> – yeah, none, none look, of their gear whatsoever. Can't even wear the colors. Nobody here knows what, like some people don't even know where Lakeland is unless you play high school basketball and know that's where the state tournament. Yeah, that's is right. Over, you know. Yep. Now, uh, let, let me ask you, how how is it that you you receive that passion um growing up around Miami? How is it that you were able to make it like profession because my understanding that you play a little professional ball in london yeah i played in london for a year um that was right after junior college and then when i came back for i was pretty stubborn at the time i didn't feel like i needed a college degree um i felt like i could just hoop my way into making money and that really wasn't it um but when i got to london where i played at you know i got hurt a lot i had a lot of ankle injuries and i had a self-educate myself in rehab and that's where the passion of strength and conditioning and rehab grew up in me mm. um so when i got back i was like hey look you know what i need to go to school so i enlisted at ucf got got my exercise science degree there and the mentors i've had along the way um kind of led me to this direction of like hey my personal experience of helping myself rehab and you know in regards to strength and conditioning I was like, shoot, let me help my players and my peers. So that kind of grew interest in me, and I found my I found my career in that, you know, off my own personal mistakes and you know things I dealt with as a player. What was the the personal time <clears throat> in London like, uh, you know, culturally and adapting to that, and also you know keeping your head focused? Like I, I'm here to play basketball, um, mm -hmm. you know. But as that experience, I, I would assume is like your first time in Europe, or had you already? Had yeah, experience? I mean, I, I travel when I when I travel to my country where I was born at. I um, we always fly through London, so I would have a couple okay. days there. I got some cousins that stay in London too, so it's not like a bad thing for me to not be there. Mm -hmm. um, but London, personally, living there myself was uh, 
uh, a kind of a, it wasn't, it didn't feel like I was away from America because everybody there speaks English and proper English. So I had to keep up with uh, not slanging because they'll know that I'm from You're America because they'll be like, hey, what you, what you saying man for? Or like, you know, <laughs> this, this is all type of stuff they catch and uh, they kind of have something against Americans. It's pretty funny. Um, but I think for the most part, I had a, it was a culture shock when it came to not there's not much conveniency there at that time this was 2010 so now we're in 2020 mm. a lot of things a little different now so i think back right. then um i had to adapt on my own cook on my own just you know regular stuff that you know if you would do in college it kind of felt like i was a i felt like i was a division one player over there you know everything provided to me i just had a crib you know they had a they had a masseuse as everything was just catered to me so i felt like i didn't have to go nowhere um, but the lifestyle was just, you know, it didn't feel like I was too far from home just because mm. the language barrier was not that too distant. Yeah. Now, now let me ask you, because, uh, a lot of times when I hear, um, about players playing internationally, you played in London, um, they, most times if that area didn't work out, that city, whatever the case may be, they would just move on to another country and just play professionally in another country. Mm. What was the ultimate decision for you in saying, Hey, that's that's not my path. Um, I'm gonna go back to you know the the states and go to school to UCF. Yeah, I had a, I didn't, I had a, I wouldn't say I had an agent. I had a guy that just would like help me out with my situation. Um, and, you know, the injuries that I was dealing with, like I said, I didn't feel like the contracts I was getting offered weren't valid enough for me. Um, you know, I had one bad ankle injury where I slightly torn some ligaments and. Uh, I was out for a long time. Um, I can't recall for how long, but it kind of affected my play because when I got back healthy, you know, they started giving opportunities to the younger guys that were like 16, you know, 17, 18, uh, coming from the Euro League. So I was like, hey, this is probably not going to go in my way. So I look at, I got to look at other options. So, you know, I had to also do something for my dad as well. Like he was big into me getting my bachelor's. So my my family always wanted me to, focus on school as well. So I was like, hey, you know, what's another two years of school going to do is, is going to help me out. So, um, you know, like I mentioned previously, it was always about, you know, self-education, you know, my personal experience in the game, uh, you know, establishing knowledge about strength and conditioning and rehab. That's something I, I built the passion for living on my own over there. So, um, and, and it's crazy because I would have never thought somebody told me like, hey, you know, in 2017, you're going to work for the Orlando Magic. I would think everybody would be crazy to tell me that. But, um, you know, I came a long way in that, in that perspective. And I think I'm, I'm the first person born in my country to work in the league. So it's not really wow. out there like that as information because I'm not really – I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. But I know, like, my general managers and people around me know that. There's a couple articles that came out um, recently and – you know, there's there's some I would say there's some clout happening, but I'm still kind of low key with the whole situation. But every kid that I'm around, they've always influenced me to, you know, express more knowledge to them. So I'm more of a a knowledge giver now than than I ever was. So I, I like to, you know, educate as many people as possible in the process mm-hmm. that I'm in. That's awesome. Now, let's talk quickly about your time at UCF and the role that Bill Borges played in your in turning you into who you are today and your passion for strength and conditioning 
You know, it's, uh, do you guys remember uh, back in 2011 when the NBA had a lockout? That was the first year LeBron won the NBA championship during a lockout year when he was on yep. the Heat. Yeah, don't judge me. I was a Heat fan at the time. Um, <laughs> but um, at that time, uh, it was the fall of 2011. I had to pick classes uh, sometime September going into fall, and there was a strength and conditioning class. And – I was like, hey, that sounds like a legit class. Let me take it. Um, so I don't know who the professor was. So when I took the class, now mind you, there's no NBA season going on. I walk into um, my first day, you know, the syllabus day or whatnot. And then um, I see the guy that's my professor. I'm like, yo, who's this dude with your, with like a New York Knicks polo? Um, and, uh, and then he started explaining to me, hey, my name is Bill Burgos, you know, the head strength coach for, you know, the New York Knicks. Now I'm the head strength coach for – um, the Orlando Magic, and I was like, "What? You're my professor? That's crazy." And then I asked him, "I was like, What are you doing at UCF? Like, you you work in the NBA?" And then I realized, like, the lockout didn't have coaches employed at the time, so players and right. coaches, everybody was trying to find a way to make a dollar. So I know, like, he's in there trying to, you know, he's a big he's big on education. So Burgos really um uh took that one semester that the NBA had a lockout to become uh, a professor and. By the luck of God, I decided to take that course that time of the year. If I chose to choose strength and conditioning on another semester, I would have never met Bill Burgos. So right. that's that fall of 2011 at UCF, it helped me keep in touch with him from 2011 all the way to now. Um, but I updated you know, my biggest thing was never asking him for a job, was just trying to show him, like, hey, I'm trying to learn from him. I just want him to be my mentor. Um, having some guy that actually works in the NBA, it's a, it's a big – it was a big plus for me. I felt like, you know, don't take, don't take this wrong. I feel like, wow, I met Jesus. You know what I mean? All right, cool. Let me, let me connect with this guy the most I can. So I learned a lot from him. And then, uh, you know, after I got done with UCF, uh, IMG had hired me to do player development, pre-draft stuff. Mo Harkless was actually one of the first NBA players I've ever worked with. Uh, so Magic fans, I've had ties with for a long time because you know he's a good he's a good dude, and I worked with him from 2010 to 2013 and 15. Um, so through those years, I just had relationships with Bill from from UCF and. Next thing you know, a couple articles come out with me in it. I would always stay in touch with Bill to let him know, like, hey, this is my situation. You know, I got a couple NBA guys, you know, I've been working with. These articles came out. And then all of a sudden, when the D-League transitioned to the G-League and Orlando was um, investing into a G-League team, they needed a head guy down there. So he offered me the opportunity. What's crazy was I was at Jay Crowder's house in Cleveland working with him when I got the call from Bill Burgos and he was like, Hey, I want you to come in and be a part of this organization. I'm like, what? You sure? I was 27 at the time. So I was pretty young. So I'm like, nah, this can't be real. So I had to, I had to recollect my thoughts. I'm like, nah, this can't be happening. And then um, he's like, yeah, I think you're ready. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And then ever since then, we've had the winningest organization in the G league since 2017. So it's kind of been a blessing in regards. Big shout out to Burgos, man. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. Let alone our GMs, too. They know me well. So, Yeah, I think it's crazy because it's kind of like, it, like you said, it's literally the right right place, right time, mm -hmm. right individual. Um, mm -hmm. Just because 
like let's say that you would have stayed in London another year or let's say that instead of going to school to UCF you would have went to you know another school in Miami which yeah, is yeah you know, I would where, not have had the opportunity bro that's a, that's the craziest thing yeah it's it's crazy how the stars aligned now your time in IMG Academy um you mentioned that you kind of had you know it sounds like it was about five years that you worked with more heart more heartless i would imagine that you were around that same time that jonathan isaac was there too right? yeah my um my first time that i ever met john jonathan isaac was at img before he committed to florida state his first i think his first post-grad year that was that that summer prior to post-grad i was working with him there's actually videos i have on my instagram way back of me putting him and more heartless the workouts together so it was kind of cool like i built a relationship with him when he was you know 17 18 i forget his age he was pretty young at the time um but the staff at img they trusted me with the work so they're like hey we want you to work with him uh, you know but uh, at that time you know the kids growing we built a relationship and then next year you know his first year in the nba is my first year in the nba so when we see each other during training camp we were like oh snap like this is wild. Like, we in here. Like, yeah, That's man, crazy. this is crazy to me, too. Like, I would have never thought. Um, and my uh, assistant general manager down in Lakeland, who's also the head scout for Orlando, uh, one of the head, head scouts, his name is Adetunji Adedipe, he actually worked with me at IMG. So he knew me and the craft that I put in from IMG. So hey, a, collect a collective relationship of him, Anthony Parker, and Bill Burgos at that time was a deciding factor of me being um, joining the organization. So it's been a it's been a blessing since. Now you saw J.I. kind of, let's say, grow up in the game of basketball in a way, right? You saw him IMG. Now you've seen him today. Unfortunately, we know he's injured. Um, again, uh, we all miss him on the court. Yeah, man. Let me just ask you, what are your thoughts on J.I. when you saw him? IMG, you see him now today. Has he turned into the player that you expected, or has he surprised you in some ways? I think he's at first base with his talent. Um, I, th I th when I first saw him at IMG with his length and skill set and speed, we all knew at one point he had some all star potential. Like I don't, his uh, his ceiling is so high, you don't know how far it can go. Um, but we saw a glimpse of that when he's healthy, especially on the defensive side. Like I feel like. As good as as good as a person that he is, and how spiritual he is, there's no denying that his strength is, his his mentality is going to push him forward no matter what you know adversity he deals with. So, you know, I've been blessed to witness it um, at, at at IMG and in the league, and I know for a fact like he's got so much to prove that he almost feels like I guess he probably feels like he's still a rookie. To be honest with you, like. Nobody really talks about him as much, you know, aside from the defensive side of things that he's done and how he's efficiently holding it down under Steve Clifford's staff and what they've, they've done a great job with him. Um, I think a lot of it is still raw. Um, now, I like to always use the baseball terminology with the bases because you kind of know how close you are to get to home. And I feel like for him to get home, that's the all-star level. He's like, he's like at first, second base, you know what I mean? And transitioning to that third. And once he's around that corner, then he's going to be he's gonna be known. He's going to be a household name. So there's no denying that. So kind of just backtracking a little bit uh, before we get, you know, fully into talking about uh, present day magic and Lakeland. I know that you co-founded May Performance mm -hmm. in 2016. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk about uh, kind of what was it like training magic 
affiliated players? And then how did you go about training players not affiliated with the Magic? And then how does that determine your relationship inside of the organization? Well, I have um, – that's a great question because everybody's trying to figure out how I do it without breaking the rules. Um, so right. I only signed one-year deals with the team. So the the team gives me the leverage of doing what I need to do in the off season, but also be able to establish a relationship with the players that still keep in touch with me. You know, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of players in the league now that I've worked with hands on that would hire like what like like us Jay Crowder, Bruno Fernando, Miles Bridges, like these guys I've known for a long time. Um, Jay Crowder hired me full time, you know, prior to me getting into the league. Uh, Bruno Fernando, I've been working with him since he's a Mount Verde kid out of Orlando, and now he's with Atlanta. I've worked with him since he was, you know, I'm, I'm his full-time guy. So there's a, there was a lot of demand for me at the time. That's why I started the company. And then, you know, the players were more of like, hey, we don't want to work with nobody else. We want to work with you. Um, and then I was, and I was also being able to build a relationship with the staff. Like, hey, we'll give you these one-year deals. That's fine. So then I can, my contract gets done with the magic at the end of the season then i can hit the off season and start training other players you know so that's kind of been the leeway of me controlling my destiny just in case another team calls me and you know works that way like you know during the time of the bubble um you know when our season got canceled and i got sent home um my contract ended in may so i was like shoot from may until next season what am i going to do so um you know, I got with I got with Jay Crowder, you know, worked with him all summer. I was not under contract with the Magic. I stayed in touch with the Heat staff. I would talk to the Heat staff, how to help him get better. So there's little things like that that I have leverage in for me to do uh, just to just just to make sure, you know, you know, I make my money, but also do what I love. And I'm not trying to be unemployed. So I kind of have a like made performance is a. This uh, is pretty much something that I've I've had plans for years, but I didn't know I was going to get into the league a year after I made the brand. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like a backup right. plan just in case things didn't work out. Now I can use it as leverage. Freedom to kind of yeah. just balance it out. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an unorthodox route for um, – I, w- I would imagine that you're probably the only one in the league with that type of dynamic in the contract, right? Yeah, I, I, c- I can't speak for everybody, but when it comes to the G League and all the other strength coaches I come across, I'm pretty much the first one that, that really has, uh, you know, embraced this type of uh, role. If not, some people took three-year, five-year deals. Um, but the situation with me in Orlando has been so great. You know, I, these one-year deals really helped me out. Um, I don't know what's next. Like, uh, we're, we're still trying to figure out what's up for this year. Because of COVID, there's a lot of uncertainty with, you know, what's going on. So, um, you know, I'm still, you know, I'm still, you know, Magic fam. And still trying to find a way to make it work at home. Because I, I would be in Orlando right now. But with what's going on with COVID, we don't know what's next. So, I'm just have my bags packed and I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? So yeah, because I, I think it's crazy because I, I remember the uh, the day that I fell on your on your social media page, and I I saw that you were you were a trainer for you know the Lakeland the Magic, but then I also saw videos of you working out Jay Crowder. I'm just like, how <laughs> yeah, how did that happen? I, I you know get what I mean? That a lot, man. Because <laughs> I, I had there's like this um, this big Instagram platform page. I think they're called they're called Swiss Culture. So they started 
taking mm-hmm. my content and posting it on their page, and then a lot of people are like, yo, how is this dude in the league working with other NBA players? Um, like, I even had Tremont Waters this summer, you know, from Boston. Um, but it's all about the relationship that I have with the agents that kind of helped me out. And I was like, hey, I have to do what I have to do, whether I'm under contract or not. You know, if I'm under contract, I'm following the rules of the NBA and, you know, whatever I need to do to take off my page, I'm going to do it. But right now, for the most part, I had to I had to make my hands meet, man. You know, I have a high demand for clientele. I trained over 20 players this summer. Or, and it's now it's like, okay, you know what? I got to solidify something for the season. So I'm just waiting for my call. And they're going to bring me back. We're just trying to figure out the logistics of it. So for the most part, it's going to be a good ride. Do you think that um, social media is a is a big part of the the player-trainer world? You kind of see that as if it kind of gives trainers that that validation that that they need, and also it kind of gets your name out there because you had already mentioned that other social media platforms are already reposting your videos. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's a necessity in today's NBA training offseason world? I agree, only because you can use it if only if you use it for the right reasons. Because there's some people that take advantage of it. Um, you know, I've been around people that have trained with other trainers and. Um, I don't knock nobody else in this game because I don't know what everybody deals with in their family and how they hustle. Um, but players would tell me, like, you know, that player, I mean, that trainer handles it in a way that's not professional. It's not for about getting me better. It's about himself. So I've always been about the player first. Um, that's why I'm not that big time because I don't have nothing to prove. You know, like, if people look at me like I train all these players, but I don't have a huge following. But I always try to emphasize, like, I have quality of followers. I don't have a quantity of them. You know what I mean? Like, if you look mm-hmm. at my following, who follows me, I have elite players following me across the board, even elite staff members in the NBA. So I'm not going to sit here to go on Instagram and try to prove, uh, you know, not try to prove somebody. Um, I'm more of about, like, hey, let me let me do what I need to do with, with, with my demand and then, you know, just try to make it work the best way possible. You know, um, there's a lot of people taking advantage of it in the wrong way. Um, but there's also people that need to figure out how they can handle it in a professional level. And that's where social media is not is not having people understand that there is a professionalism involved in embracing your brand. There's some great trainers out there, but there's some also that are in it for the wrong reasons. Um, but luckily, right. I'm not insecure about any of that. I'm you know, I'm, I'm still young. If you think about it, when it comes to the game and. You know, I'm just – I'm more of a knowledge seeker, bro. Like, if you you ask anybody I work with, I'm more of a guy that's like, hey, I'd rather you give me a book than give me a following. You know what I mean? Like, that's the type of dude I am. So, the more I learn, the more I can help the players get better, and that's the biggest key. Yeah, and I, I think that's important just because, uh, again, social media kind of – and not just in the basketball world, but kind of runs um, in all different aspects depending on the individual and the fact mm-hmm. that you don't let that kind of be the – the driver of your vehicle it, it kind of shows you know that you do put the player first and whatnot mm-hmm. and i think that that's that's the most important thing now you being the head of performance for lakeland um you were already in that position before we hired or before we drafted chumo kiki yeah right um it, the magic took an unorthodox route where we drafted chumo kiki while he was injured and we redshirted him the full year and we just signed him a couple weeks ago yeah um what what are your responsibilities with working with Chumo Kiki? And then, you know, how, how hyped were you that you were able to, knowing that you were going to work with him um, coming in and knowing that 
you know, Lakeland was going to be the route that, you know, the front office decided to go with? Yeah, I mean, uh, first off, they had to figure out what they were going to do. And they entrusted not just myself, but there's other staff members involved in this project. I think uh, one thing that has to be adhered to is that uh, there's about six to seven people involved in Chuma's rehab process. I was lucky to be one of them. Now, most of my responsibilities was in relation to doing his on-court assessment. Um, I didn't handle much of his strength and conditioning side because I was traveling with the team so much in Lakeland that Chuma had to stay back and work with, you know, uh, one of our coordinators, strength and conditioning coordinators, Earl Wilcox, and he had to uh, be there for Chuma while I was traveling on the road, handling my strength and conditioning duties with the team. So we kind of had a, a team effort into this. So anytime I was at home, back home in Lakeland, I did all his on-court workouts, you know, but I always had an assessment of figuring out his movement patterns. Um, can he decelerate properly? Can he change direction if it's time for him to do that? How is his shot looking? So a lot of, I, I was more of a biomechanical uh, player development guy for him that was in relation to strength and conditioning. So that was like my biggest role that Orlando gave me the green light on. And it was great because me and him established a great relationship. And we still talk here and there. We always talk about having a peanut butter jelly sandwich battles because in the lake in Lakeland, I make a lot of peanut butter jelly sandwiches. So he always be saying that he can make a better one than I can, which I don't believe it. Um, but he, uh, he's, he's such a good kid, man. He just wants to be great. He works hard. He works harder than I ever thought he ever could. He don't complain. You know, you tell him to do something. He's always on time. Um, he's going to be in a, he's going to be a legit force in this organization for a while. Um, it's just good to see, like, what the future looks like for Orlando. You know what I mean? Like, I can actually be confident in saying, like, man, Orlando Magic is going to be good. Not, and, and they're just on the way to be great once they figure it out, you know. Um, I just think, you know, it just takes a little bit of failure to figure it out uh, when it comes to playoffs and losing and injuries. And then once it all clicks, man, it's, it's going to be a force to reckon with and Chuma is going to be in the midst of all that. That's exciting uh, to hear because I feel like, you know, the fan base for a while has been complaining about the direction that the team is going and whatnot. Um, so hearing from somebody who has kind of a inside look that, you know, there is reason to be excited. For sure. Um, you know, it's something that, that many of us are looking forward to. But I do have to ask because you brought it up. Since you make the best peanut butter and jelly sandwich, crunchy or smooth peanut butter? It's got to be smooth. Only <laughs> okay. all, crunchy is okay. I I, I love peanut butter, so it don't matter how I want it. Um, it's always about what everybody wants. So majority of the players love the smooth peanut butter. Some mm. like grape jelly. Some like strawberry jelly. Some guys don't even want jelly in their sandwich. So it's kind of weird, like, <laughs> different type of variations you get. Um, because I usually make peanut butter jelly sandwiches before before the game and at halftime. Um, because it has the macronutrients okay. your body needs for energy. So I always right. provide that, and, and guys love it. So uh, I'll never stop. You know I mean? Yeah, it's got to be smooth peanut butter, and the bread cannot be toasted. Yeah, be I have soft this. Bread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't do <laughs> The bread cannot be got, toasted. We don't got time for toasted, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to end up looking like a cookie if it ends up being. Um, but, yeah, man, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a learning experience down there in the G League, man. I think the G League is pretty underrated with how they have elite players and staff members down there. So we're just up and coming, man. Now, Coach, one thing, again, bringing it back to Chuma for a second, one thing you mentioned, again, is, is how much of a hard worker he is, how ready he is for, for the next level, for the NBA game. 
you being the coach and kind of seeing him play and prepare for this moment, how confident are you in his game at the NBA level? What can Magic fans expect from Chuma Okiki? I mean, everything they saw from him in Auburn, um, that NCAA run that he had that we all knew about, it was it was something that we admired. Um, you know, that's something that we have to figure out how we can do uh, due diligence um you know, in this whole process. So I think for him, he's got to figure out how he's going to grow within the organization. And then from there, we have to figure out what makes it work once he's on the floor because the style of play is going to be a little different than the G League. You know what I mean? So um, that's hard. You know, he's he's got the upside. You know, he's got no ceiling. So he can reach to any level possible. Uh, it's just all about where he's going to be at, you know, mentally when he gets on the court. And I think the confidence in the staff and what they're doing up there in Orlando is going to be good enough for him to translate. So I don't see no no hesitation in him, you know, making it work. And lastly, on, on the Chuma topic, with the injury that he um, sustained at Auburn, which I believe was an ACL injury, mm-hmm. um, do you believe that or do you have any concern that, um, you know, he could possibly re-injure himself again or is that something that, you guys have worked out that's hard to say i'd rather not even talk about that to be honest i just think once he's healthy we just want to push forward and just wait to uh wait to see his uh his performance improve over time i think that's the biggest thing is just getting the kid on the floor getting him to hoop again you know um right. it's always good to see a kid on the court and then once he's ready to play that's when you establish and understanding like hey this is what we want to do and you know make sure he gets on the right track and that's what we're on right now I think Chuma is, obviously with the news of Jonathan Isaac going down, um, getting a player like Cole Anthony from the draft and then getting Chuma that was out for a whole entire year, I think it makes it less um, painful to miss out on Jonathan Isaac Mm -hmm. for the fan base. And then the Magic had also announced recently that um, they just signed Kareem Maine and Jordan Bone Mm -hmm. um, to their roster, to a two-way contract. When when you receive brand new players like that um, on the two way, how does the preparation start working for you guys on the Lakeland side? Um, it also it, it depends on what uh, what type of style they play uh, within the system. Um, my biggest thing is you know also trying to do assessments of how their body functions and stuff like that. Um, I'm also trying to figure out uh, you know try to figure out like what the players' needs are and then progressing those needs and transitioning that into the season. Cause I don't, I don't, you know, we don't have these players in the off season. We just get them right away once they're drafted and then we figure it out. Um, but we try to do our best to, you know, provide the necessary assessments needed, uh, provide the progression. The biggest thing is planning, uh, you know, having programs and assessing them through the programs uh, during the season to progress them along the way, whether it's, you know, lack of ankle mobility, whether it's knee stability issues, whether it's strength, you know, whatever it might be, we just, you know, everybody gets an individualized program in the season. And that's what makes, you know, that's what makes the, you know, the process of being a strength coach great is because you know what each player needs and you can, um, you know, give them that one-on-one attention to help them get better. And that's, and that's one of the beauties of the game is you having that control of helping them get better. And they, they're actually there, you know, listen to you because you have that plan for them, you know. So after, you know, your years of experience with rehabbing and developing players, what would you say is an attribute um, that you've seen, you know, a common attribute that you've seen that contributes to success um, amongst the players that you've worked with? Um, 
I think it's building the relationship first before trying to be a, a hard-headed, smart guy, you know, because you want to figure out, even if it's a staff member, like, you want to figure out how everybody is, what their vibe is, um, always have good intentions, um, always provide positive vibes. Um, you know, once you can show that you're – that you can have – you got to be someone that the players can tell secrets to. You know, like you want to be that type of guy because then once they can do that to you, then they'll listen to you 100%. So even players from my first year in the league still hit me up to this day. Like, hey, man, how you doing? I see what you got going on. Let me come to Miami, work out with you. Like Orlando Magic players will come down when they're here and work with me. So even when they're not in the season. So I know like this is not something that I forced, but it was more about like, hey, let's build a relationship and get to know each other, you know. Do you got kids? How's your mom doing? You know, oh, your mom, your father passed away. You know, like you always have to know about these type of things. And my biggest thing has always been relationship building. And that's what's been the key to to them. That's been the key for them to believe in. You. The relationship part is is really important on, on all aspects. So you you got to have that type of skill in order to be a leader in any field. Now, you've had the taste of the G League, but you also have the taste of uh, the big league in the NBA. Um, I mean, what what is it that you love most about your job? I mean, do you do you prefer being in the G League where you're able to help grind these guys and make it to the league, or do you prefer being in the NBA? Nah, my preference. I mean, either or. Whatever my role is, I'll take it. Um, I've had a taste of the NBA. I love it. I mean, it's the NBA. Um, but the G League is something that I like a lot because it really it really puts into effect. Uh, you know, does my philosophy work or not? You know, my biggest thing is always mm. trying different things, trial and error. I feel like I love the G League because there's so many players down there that need help, and I want to be there for them. You know, there's a lot of Division Two players that are getting called up now. and We've had some guys in the G League that played in Division Two level, and they would think that they're trash, they're not good players. But when we work on mechanics, we work on game situations as a staff, we come collectively together to grow them. Those guys have shown to get those summer league call-ups with Orlando and having that opportunity to succeed, not just in the league, but get bigger deals overseas. So it's always about helping those guys that are next up, you know, and that's what I love the G League about is because as young as I am trying to learn more, I've always feel like I'm still incomplete with my knowledge. Um, I feel like I can still establish an understanding of what works and what doesn't before I even, even if they like, they could offer me a full-time deal in Orlando, which is great to be with them 100%. But I like the G League right now because, you know, there's players down there that will follow a protocol that will help them get to the league and help guys get call-ups. You know what I mean? So that's my biggest thing is helping those guys down there. And if my time is to be up in Orlando full-time, I'll do it. But for now, my role is in the G and I'm embracing either moment, you know. So, you know, being in training camp is great. Getting to know the guys in the training camp. Um, and then starting the G League training camp, learning from what I did in the league tra training camp. So it's always a process. Remember, everything's a team. Uh, you always, I always try to tell people that, oh, they think the G League is different than the main team. We follow the same system. We stay in touch. You know, our players have to know the same plays. So my role is, you know, is tied into both organizations. You know what I mean? So I'm always with staying in touch with Orlando staff while I do my job in Lakeland. So it's, it's really a team. You know, it's really unity. So, and that's hard to come by in most, in most organizations in the NBA because I hear players in, in other G League teams, they're not really satisfied. But with us, we got a culture that's really working. So, you know, we're going to stick by it. 
Man, I can definitely, I can definitely tell the passion that you have for for the grind, mm-hmm. for really being out there, getting these guys to be better, getting these guys to, to to the next level in their career. Um, and again, that that's great to see. Now, I don't think there's many coaches out there that would say they prefer to be in the G League, grinding it out, than to be in the, in the NBA. You know, so mm-hmm. again, that that's appreciated to, to see it and. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's great to see. It really, really is. I appreciate it. Um, one final question to you, and that is, again, you've been through so much. You've played basketball professionally. You've been a coach now at the NBA level, G League level. Where do you see yourself, say, five years from now? I'll be honest with you. I wanted to get into, aside from basketball, I also wanted to get into real estate. So I wanted to do some stuff in real estate. Um, but That's right where now, the money's at. Huh? That's where the money's at. Yeah, that's where the money Bro, at the end of the day, you got to – I'm trying to have financial and time freedom. That's my biggest thing. And basketball is just a small part of what I do. Um, but to be honest, I just – I didn't know I was going to be in the NBA. Um, this was something that I dreamed about. And when it hit me, when Bill Burgos called me, I was like, okay, you know what, let me roll with it. Um, obviously, I want to stay in the NBA. I want to have a, a bigger player development role because I've have I have some research studies that I'm building that really works on improving players' shooting percentages and also their technique. So that's really helped in the G League because we had the top five three point shooting team in, in the G League the past three years. So we have a we have a good system down there. Um, there's some things that I want to do to help build players up um i want to finish i, I want to publish some articles i want to finish grad school i'm still not done with grad school yet um but eventually have a higher uh i'm i'm satisfied with, with my role in the, in the nba but obviously there's steps that can be taken to get you know to get higher positions so whether it's a head position and strength and conditioning or a head position in player development i think either or uh will be best for me in the next five years or whatnot Man, Coach X, I think that your story is um, its by far one of the most interesting that we've been able to interview, and we're so happy that you were that's able love. to give us the opportunity to join us. I know that you don't care about the quantity. That's all about the quality. Mm-hmm. But please, please, please follow this man on – you can find him on Twitter at TheRealZebo and on Instagram at Zebo 305 um, We're going to try to convince him as soon as we get off the air to get him to change it to at Zebo 407 <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one i might have to reconsider that sure. hey gotta do it gotta do it yeah what's up, man? that's love appreciate you guys man thank you for listening to the ozone podcast the voice of magic fans be sure to visit our website theozonepod.com and remember to subscribe rate and leave a review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms